This is Melissa Lamb, and, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Topa Talk. Talk. Hello, listeners. Welcome. Today, we are very excited. We have Henry from Ventura Spirits here today. Um, Stephanie was just um, mentioning to him when we first were brainstorming oh, about Topa Talk. I was like, I want, I He's want Henry. He's been on the list for a very He's long He's been on the time. list, but I didn't want to reach out till we had a Since couple. Since conception. <laughs> couple episodes so this, under is, belt. this is really excited for us we've been interviewing since march and so yeah. we finally get to sit down with henry we finally so. tricked him into it i know <laughs> yeah we found a way so welcome henry thank you so much um tell us just a little bit about ventura spirits thanks guys thank it's great to be here yeah uh okay ventura spirits so we make booze uh, <laughs> yes. we're, a, we're a small craft distillery i guess is the term you would use uh, and we make a bunch of different distilled spirits. So gin and vodka and brandy and that sort of thing. Um, and I guess there are, there are a couple main ideas that that sort of animate us and that led us to, to start the company. Um, and one has to do with a sort of simple thought experiment uh, that is uh, the question of what would we all be drinking if distilling had been developed here in California. Mm. Um, because everything we drink, uh, gin, vodka, brandy, et cetera, uh, almost all of those things come from some other place and some other uh, you know, specific context, some other tradition. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting to think about, okay, so uh, you know, what would our traditions be? You know, and and um, what what might we be drinking if, yeah, if, if distilling had been something that had begun here? Um, and so, for, for example, to give you some context, um, we think of gin and we think of vodka as uh, these, like, static categories, right? Like, they are what they are, but really they all came about because of, you know, very practical logistical reasons. You know, uh, if, if you lived in an area where there was a lot of grain being grown and there was a lot of extra grain, then you might start distilling it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rum was born, uh, and I always tell this story, but uh, rum was born because uh, molasses was a waste stream, an industrial waste stream uh, at sugar processing plantations in the Caribbean. Um, and so, I don't know the exact numbers, but for every pound, say, of, of white processed sugar, you'd have you know, a gallon of molasses or something. And they were literally taking that stuff and, and dumping it in the ocean. They couldn't get rid of it. Uh, until oh, that's uh, a choice. <laughs> that's a big choice. Uh, until someone figured out, hey, uh, you can ferment this stuff and distill it, and so rum was born as oh a my result. God, I love that story. Um, and there are similar traditions uh, for, uh, yeah, there there are similar stories for European, you know, brandy traditions, and for Amer- you know, uh, inland farming regions where there's grain. You know, ha- that's one of the big reasons that you know American whiskey came about. There would be surplus grain. A farmer, you know, transportation is expensive. There's not necessarily an immediate outlet. You risk spoilage. And so every farm would have a little still house and you'd have this shelf stable value added product. Um, and so uh, I don't know if I'm starting in the right place here, but that's that's a really interesting idea for us uh, is to sort of apply those those same ideas to the here and now and be like, OK, um, first of all, what's what do we have here around us? We've got such incredible natural bounty and we're in the middle of this huge agricultural region. Um, you know, what's available? Yeah. You know, what's abundant? Uh, what sort of stuff is that, you know, has, is, is there a bunch of waste of, or is there, is, is there some sort of surplus that we can tap into? 
Um, and then, yeah, what's what's exciting to us that we can make that's maybe a little bit different that can we we can separate we, yourself. Yeah, separate ourselves and and you know maybe push the envelope a little bit or or innovate to some degree. Yeah, um, so that brings me to a question I wanted to ask, but we'll just do it now. Um, how do you go about sourcing for your botanicals? And like, I think I've heard before, like you get your strawberries locally, I'm sure, because mm-hmm. why would you buy strawberries from anywhere else besides Oxnard? <laughs> but um, so yeah, can you talk a little bit about how you work with local people? And yeah, 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 for sure. So um, a couple of these, a couple of these products are really good examples of what I was talking about with the, you know, kind of integrating with the, you know, the regional agricultural. Mm-hmm tapestry uh we're in this huge strawberry growing region um i'm and gonna take a little sip while you're talking yeah honestly yeah. i'm ready <laughs> great <laughs> sorry uh, keep going no 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 so uh let me get a sense of a uh, place here <laughs> yes yeah, yeah what so, are we talking about <laughs> uh, so strawberry brandy uh, uh when you're talking about brandy typically you're talking about an aged grape spirit right cognac armagnac hennessy those are all you're starting with grapes and fermenting them into wine and distilling them and aging them uh this is a fruit brandy, a brandy from strawberries, so there are no grapes involved. Uh, it's strong like a whiskey, and it drinks kind of like a whiskey, but the difference is that you get a little bit of strawberry character Whoa. that comes through. Definitely. Uh, the basic process is you're taking thousands of pounds of berries, pressing off the juice, fermenting into wine, distilling just once, and then we age it for about four years now in ex-Chardonnay casks from the Ohio Vineyard. Um, oh, oh nice. my God, yes. And uh, so... How do we get the fruit? So we're, we're in one of the biggest strawberry producing regions in the world. And um, as I was talking about before, there is a ton of waste. There's, there's overripe fruit that mm-hmm. can't make it to the store shelf. There's transition points in between seasons where stuff doesn't get harvested. And there's just normal everyday waste where, you know, farmers are picking their crop and it's getting sorted on, a, you know, washed and sorted on a line. And every day, uh, a large amount of fruit, even just in the normal course of business, there doesn't need to be a big accident or anything, is, is getting tossed because, you know, there are cosmetic blemishes or, yeah, it's overripe or whatever it is. Or maybe in a cold storage warehouse, uh, XYZ smoothie company is like, oh, you know, we're not doing our strawberry thing anymore. Yeah, or yeah. you drop 10 drums or whatever. So yeah. there are a lot of different ways to sort of tap into that. And for us, we need... Uh, sound fruit meaning like it can't be rotten or moldy or anything like that but we don't care if it's overripe and we don't care how it looks and so it, a, a distillery is really well suited to kind of plug in to, to that end point in the agricultural chain and that kind of works in the same scenario that you were talking about like how american whiskey came about it's like well we know you have an excess of items that are not being used because of x y and z so let's find a way to use them like that's that's basically the same way that they came up with that it, exactly and it's it's so it's exciting and fun for us for yeah exactly for two reasons one because of the i guess the environmental narrative yes. you know you're you're diverting waste that who you know the 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 carbon the carbon footprint of which has already been established and it's either going to be turned into something or it's going to be tossed um so that's great but then also uh it's not it wouldn't be economically viable to make a strawberry spirit buying strawberries off the shelf or drawing you know buying yeah. like nice nice looking strawberries and so it, it allows make us because you're gonna mash it anyway well, exactly exactly and so it allows us to make something that really nobody else can or would or is is dumb enough to try to make you know <laughs> um and so you know you you're not take risks right you're not gonna find another aged strawberry spirit uh yeah for, for some of the reasons I'm, I'm talking about and so it's we're able to do something that isn't being done and hopefully 
some of the time make something that sort of deserves to be made and is interesting and and you know uh, yeah, this strawberry brandy is great. It is very hot, like a whiskey. It's very smooth finish. The strawberry is super forward, obviously. Um, I'm a big fan. Really um, is, what is your most popular product uh, out of this lineup um, that we have? So, yeah, the gin. The we, wilder we, gin. We sell the okay. most of the gin, but now... We also we also sell a lot of this this Amaro. Okay, I've seen this. Um, I didn't know this was yours. Yeah, so so this started out as a um, as a contract product. You know, we do we do contract distilling where somebody will come in and say, "Hey, I want to make a a canned cocktail or a uh, you know a certain kind of vodka or whatever," and uh, we'll we'll make it for them. And it's you know it's not a Ventura Spirits product. It's just a, a, a contract service. That's how this started out. And uh, you know, we became sort of closely linked with the guys, w- with with the guys who who started it, and we were distributing together. And um, anyway, one thing led to another, and it's now a, a full Ventura Spirits product. Like it's you know, it's it's a we we brought line. it we brought it in in house. Amazing, if that makes sense. And you need to come up with a burn for the top. Yeah, I know, I know. It's it's is that what people say? Sorry. Yeah, a brand. <laughs> You should yeah. do like your little flower. Yeah, pull something off there. It's not a, not a bad idea. <laughs> Stephanie's joining your marketing team. Great. I'm ready. You didn't know that. Well, I'm like, uh, yeah. I and love the corks. Like, I, there's so much about your branding that's genius, but the corks really are really smart. I feel like people would just save them, or people probably take pictures and want to post it on Instagram. Like, you're doing your. It's so smart. It's great. I love it. Thank Speaking you. Speaking of your marketing team, who like what is your team? How many employees are are at Ventura Spirits? Who's the main distiller? Who's your break it down? Yeah. So <laughs> I'll break it down. You better name names. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so there are Freaking four. There are four founders <laughs> and uh, partners. Um, it's myself, uh, two brothers, Andrew and Anthony Casperi, and then my brother-in-law James. Um, and so it's a it's a very obviously family and friends uh, kind of enterprise, which has its perils, but is also great. Yes, um, it's uh, like you wouldn't want to do it any other way, but there's definitely things about it that make it tough. right. I mean, it's kind of the point in yes. some ways, right? I mean, mm-hmm. at, at least in the early going, and 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 still now. I mean, one of the really appealing things about starting a, a business uh, was to be able to do things to some degree on your own terms and to be with people that you love every day and uh, and so yeah that that's definitely a piece of it um but so yeah that's the base team and like a, as we uh you know a, as we got started out it was definitely a lot of of bunch ball you know in terms of not having super well defined roles and that sort of thing and we've gotten better and better at that now uh anthony's for sure the head distiller um i mean he he, he always has been um I handle sourcing and sort of operation stuff, uh, help with distilling and bottling and packaging and making sure we have the stuff we need to, to make what we want to make. Um, James does branding and marketing stuff and deals with our website uh, and does sales. Every, everybody does sales. Um, <laughs> it's just how it, how it is. Of course. Um, and Andrew mm-hmm. uh, is a, uh, he's an engineer, a licensed engineer. Uh, and it's his expertise that's allowed us to build most of the equipment we use. Um, uh, you, you know, built, fabricated our own still, built That's our own bottling convenient. line. It's extremely convenient. convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Th- yeah. There's a lot of stuff we simply wouldn't have been able to do or wouldn't be comfortable tackling, um, without his skill set. And he does a bunch of sales and just, you know, a, a little bit of everything. And then we've got a full-time, uh, sales director now who's based in LA, who travels around. Uh, we've got a couple, 
uh, great guys who help with sales and uh, in the tasting room. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it right now. Can I ask maybe mm-hmm. a, a personal question? Uh-huh. You can pass on this if you mm-hmm. want. What would you say if somebody was like, I want to go and start a distillery? What is the initial financial investment that you have to have if you want to start your own craft distillery? So, if well, you, like how much is the production that they're doing? Like how much are they turning no, out? Like what it, what it, for you guys maybe, what was it about? Like how much did you have to like, because the equipment for a distillery is expensive. Luckily you mm-hmm. have somebody that mm-hmm. can help build stuff. Yeah. But getting a building, getting a lease, sourcing products. All mm-hmm. that, I mean... Yeah, I'm guessing you started with one product. Uh, we started with three. Oh, okay. The, clear, the, the gin, a, a, a different vodka than the one we make now, and the, the Apuntia, the prickly pear stuff. We have another sample bottle. Um, but, <laughs> scared. But, yeah, so to your question, the, uh, you're basically asking about how much does it cost to do this, to, to get started? Yeah, that's my yeah, question, so, generally speaking. So, so we are pretty much totally bootstrapped at this point um and it kind of depends on who you ask and like what their idea of necessity is and you know what their approach would be it 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 would be really really easy to spend five million dollars building a place out and getting really beautiful european stills and you know spending a million dollars a year on marketing out of the gate and that sort of thing and still be pretty small um you know we started out uh very naive i would say uh, on on multiple levels um and still have plenty to learn but you know our our uh, you know basic approach was always oh we we can do that you know whether it's building kind of have to have you know, Honestly, that's the uh, way i am i'm like and then i'm like i should have asked an es- expert cuz at this point we're in it way deeper and now we need to hire well, someone well <laughs> exactly so and that's for everything from uh you know designing and building our own equipment uh you know, cutting in the floor drains, installing the boiler, running the steam, doing the electric, uh, all, all of that stuff. We, we did do all of that stuff. And it also goes for, you know, the layout on the labels. And when we're doing our permitting for and licensing stuff, oh you know, drying up our own. And when I say our, it's none of this is me. I'm not the technical guy. So I'm not I'm not doing the plans. But, you know, Anthony or Andrew would be, you know, uh, yeah, drawing out plans to submit to the county. And then we go in and they're like, oh, you need an architect. And we're like, oh, you know. And so uh, I guess it's a, a long way of saying we did this for a tiny fraction of what you might, uh, you know, what somebody might tell you you would need uh, for that reason, which, which is really great. And it allowed us to get off the ground, you know, f- to give you an example. Uh, a still like the one we have might cost, uh, I don't know, 120 grand or 150 grand or something like that. It's not um, and, and, uh, because we built it, we did it for probably around 10% of that, you know, basically the ma- materials yeah. and like getting Damn. some of it fabricated, which is great. It's awesome. Uh, and well, we just wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise, actually. So, I mean, right. for, for that, it just wasn't really an option. But for uh, for other areas that it is an option, <laughs> you know, like you could you can get a guy to come in and draw your plans who knows what to do with the county and that sort of thing. And in some instances, we're definitely learning just do it, you know, get some, get somebody to do it. You'll do it. Sometimes in, in you just a, have to outsource. Yeah. You'll do it in a tiny fraction of the time, depending on what you're talking about, it'll probably be better. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, we've definitely had a scrappy approach and that's helped us get off the ground and, you know, hopefully get to a place where we can, uh, you know, b- build the business to a point where then we can think about, you know, spending more money to grow it if that's what we want to do. How long mm-hmm. have you been in business? How, when did you put out the first bottle? Uh, summer, uh, July or August 2014 is when we sold okay. our first 
our first bottles. So it yeah. sounds like y'all are the perfect storm, all of you together. Without any, without one of, of your members, you probably couldn't have actually done it because it sounds like without Andrew, you wouldn't have been able to afford a still. So totally. therefore, so yeah. that's amazing. I I fucking love that. And that's and really Andrew cool. and Anthony, uh, I mean, they the sort of like creation myth, or it's not a myth. I mean, the 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 origin for all of this is that those guys were always sort of handy and um, mechanically inclined, and they built their first still. I think Anthony was maybe 14 or 15, something okay. like that. Um, and not because he was like... Uh, he was like, I need to make my own alcohol. Mom <laughs> won't give I me yeah. I can't go buy it yet. <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't. I mean, if you know Anthony, it was not because uh, he wanted access to booze really it was more the the mechanical challenge and the curiosity i think that's but but that so was really you know smart. that that was the origin uh of all of, and so you know we've, we've gone from there what was the biggest challenge in in opening what was like an unforeseen obstacle that you guys had to overcome uh initially just jumping through all the bureaucratic hoops um yeah. you know Permits uh, and it's it's not the sort of thing where you can or at least we wouldn't be willing to like operate outside of right you know you weren't rules or regulations in in, <laughs> in any way if we're going to be a legit company and so you know there's licensing at the at the federal level and at the state level and at the county level um and it all takes time and there's sometimes literally like diametrically opposed conflicting requirements from one agency to the next and so just navigating all of that um did you ever feel like that took some of like the romanticism away or did you guys kind of know going into it that it was a huge uphill battle oh to absolutely i mean once you get into it and get into the grind yeah i mean uh you you quickly uh it's work right let's, let's put it that way yeah. it doesn't make it not worthwhile or not still enjoyable but but yeah nice golly um, so what would you say like, separates you from from other distilleries in this area? And are there any other distilleries that you think are like really killing it? I mean, I, there's not I, a huge distillery market in Ventura County. No, no, there really isn't. Mm. Um, there, there are a couple little guy. I mean, we're, we're a little guy, too. Um, y yeah, but the craft distilling... I mean, you can make the analog to craft beer in terms of just like tracing the path and then just the general, like the the rapid uh, proliferation of new distilleries and uh, the, the kind of, you know, sometimes bad stuff, but sometimes really great and interesting stuff that comes out of it. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of people doing really interesting stuff right now. I mean, St. George is kind of the, the grandpappy of um, California craft. Distilling. Where are they though? Uh, the East Bay. I mean, they're, okay. they're, they're, they're. I was like, I don't think. Yeah, they're yeah, no, here. they're not. They're not here. I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm just still. thinking about yeah other other you know distilleries that are operating in the you know mm -hmm. a the similar county. zone. Can you yeah. um, pass me the gin? Actually, let's talk about this because yeah. aren't you using like Pixie all botanicals and, and stuff? Purple sage. Yeah, I, yeah. That's why I love this so much. Yeah. So Wilder is is made with a whole bunch of native California botanicals. And the, the whole deal with gin is gin must be made with juniper berries. That's what makes a gin a gin. It's the one defining characteristic. Any gin you drink anywhere in the world will be made with- To be called with, gin. With, yeah, exactly. Will be made with juniper berries. When you think of uh, when you think of gin, like gin flavor, a traditional London dry gin, yeah. is uh, th you're thinking of juniper. I'm eating a pine, a pine right, tree. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so, and you're, your classic London dry gin is going to be very juniper forward. There's not going to be, I mean, there, there are suppl some supporting ingredients, but it's going to be pretty much straight juniper to the, straight to the 
don't. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, no, that's how it feels. Uh, it's like, oh, okay. And, and but but it doesn't need to be that way. Um, you you need to use juniper, but y- you know the, the the rest of the supporting flavors are are up to you. The supporting uh, cast. Yeah, the supporting cast. This gin is uh, so good. I'm sipping gin room temperature, and I couldn't be happier. Mm. Like I, if you told me that like a two <laughs> two years ago, I would have been like, "You're weird. I don't know why right. I would ever do that." But this right. is so delicious. Yeah, so I mean, they're I'm like mad right now. I'm sitting here like scowling at Henry. Like, <laughs> what have you done to me? <laughs> what kind of sorcery are you doing over there? Uh, okay, so let's see. Um, w- when we when we set out to to develop the recipe for Wilder, the whole the the guiding idea was get the the sensory or the olfactory experience of taking a hike up here in the into the chaparral into the bottle, and and to do that. We got our hands on as many different types of native California plants as we could that we thought, you know, might have some chance of working. And we distilled them all individually so we could understand, here's what a yerba santa distillate is like. Here's what a purple sage distillate is like, et cetera. And we could take, li- you know, literal, you know, dropper fulls and mix them in dozens of different ratios mm-hmm. um, to figure out what worked well together. And that was that was the foundation where we, you know, some things were like, oh, this is interesting, but it's too bitter. We can't use it or it doesn't fit into our formula. Using native California juniper was appealing, but uh, it didn't have the junipery flavor that we, we wanted. Um, and so now when we, when we batch our gin, it's all, all these ingredients go in together. But the way that we established the, the recipe and the, the ratios was to do those individual distillates initially. And how many different botanicals are in there? Or Nine or ten. Nine or ten. Yeah, yeah. the 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 native ones are are uh, yeah, California Bay Laurel, um, Yerba Santa, California Sagebrush, uh, and Purple Sage, and then uh, we use uh, Pixie Tangerine peels from up in Ohio. Nice. What is your personal favorite spirit to What's drink? What's your baby? You know, well, not even out of oh, okay. these. Just like if you're like, I can only pick one. We asked this to Sean the other day. Like, yeah. if you can only pick one spirit to drink. The rest of your life, what would you pick? I mean, I'm gonna answer this like a mo- you know a mom or a dad asking to pick yeah, their favorite no, kid. You, I you mean, and I'm, not, I'm not just talking about uh, our products. I just mean generally. I like a lot of different stuff. I like to drink beer. I like to drink whiskey. I like agave spirits. Uh, I like gin. Uh, so yeah, I'm not gonna. I can't give you. you a can't pick. S- I would pick whiskey. I'm just gonna answer. For gonna mm-hmm. <laughs> not that like I don't love all of this, but if I had to pick, just one. If I yeah. had to, I'd pick whiskey. I'd probably pick gin, gin or tequila. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I drink a lot of whiskey though too. It's a hard question. Yeah. It, it I is know, a really hard. I know question. I'm forcing this difficult well, question also, on you. <laughs> for me, the thing I love about like spirits in general, or just drinking, you know, <laughs> is that like it's there's something for every mood or every occasion, right. and so that's what's right. really fun about it for me. Like, is like I typically don't drink a ton of cocktails, but then if I want to, it's like ooh, it's like the world is opening up and mm-hmm. it's expanding, and there's so much love and heart that goes into a lot of it now which is so cool i'm sure i'm sure it's always been that way but i feel like it's really like the craft even making of cocktails or making of like spirits and everything there's so much that goes into it and there's so much history around it that i don't know i don't know like it's exciting what are um some of your like pet peeves about the industry oh yes i love this not question. not just like mm. distillery but maybe like the craft cocktail oh. culture or do you feel like people come to your spirits expecting something from them and then they it's like different sometimes i mean it's, it's been really interesting having i mean we have a, a little tasting room now in our distillery uh which is 
it's a very if you've been there it's a very marginal space i guess you could say for 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 the public facing side you know it's not a traditional retail spot uh, it's you know we're in a funny little basement space and it's mostly all about production um but it's really cool having people in on the weekends and seeing how they react you know every everyone from you know people who would consider themselves real connoisseurs uh, and have, you know, be able to sort of contextualize what they're drinking and compare it to other, you know, relevant types of liquors to people who just don't do liquor, really. And you're like, oh, wait, well, so what what are you doing here today? Uh, Right. Uh, And so, yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes people will say, oh, wait, that doesn't, you know, for example, the the vodka we make. Yeah, we need to talk about that. uh, We sure do. It has a bit more... (laughs) character than than your average vodka and yeah. so sometimes it almost tastes kind of like tequila to me okay or smell like tequila yeah, so yeah i get uh, the first time i drink it i was like maybe i need to clean my glass i don't even drink tequila at home but there's something in here <laughs> yes okay so let's break it down so break it down. so vodka is a weird category in some ways because uh first of all it can be made from anything it's not like bourbon where it has to be made from a certain you know from 51 percent corn um and what makes a vodka a vodka legally uh, is legally the, speaking is the proof to which it's distilled so it has to come off the still at over 95 percent alcohol to be called a vodka and that explains why it is so neutral at, when compared to other spirits so your more flavorful spirits like brandy or whiskey or gin are going to come off the still around 65 percent alcohol the other 35 percent leaves a lot of room for stuff for flavor Flavors. flavor yeah. compounds to come through with with vodka by law uh, you've only got you've, you've got a maximum of five percent <laughs> that's mostly you know a little bit of water and, yeah. and a tiny bit of flavor and at that point uh almost universally for vodka producers are going to take that spirit and put it through a really rigorous uh filtration process that strips any remaining character out um and so right off the bat for us uh, approaching vodka and thinking about how to make a vodka we weren't in some ways, we kind of look down our nose at vodka for that reason, because it's inherently, or or a lot of the time, it's an inherently commercial, industrial product. Um, and, you know, Archer Daniels or, you know, some big conglomerate is going to be the best at having a mile high still and getting, you know, the closest thing to just pure ethanol. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But it's it's like, well, why would we try to do that? You know, I mean, they're definitely going to be better at getting pure eth- ethanol than we are. We're not set up for it. Um, and so, uh, because it's, because, and, and, and for that same reason, vodka is talked about in terms of a lack of flavor rather than a presence of flavor, right? Which is different from pretty much everything else. Yeah. You're like, try that, try our vodka. It's so smooth. You can't even, you know, it's like, we, we <laughs> you won't even know yeah, it's there. You can't even taste it at all. And, and like, that's exciting to people. Right. Which because is. Because maybe they don't actually like alcohol. They just want to get drunk. Exactly. And I'm not, and, and no judgment at all. I mean, that's, I understand that that has a place, you know, sort of a blank palette to build a cocktail on yeah. or, you know, whatever. Um, when you get into it, there is, there's definitely more nuance than I'm talking about with vodka, uh, the, based on the different sorts of inputs that are used, a, a, a tiny bit of, of flavor still makes it through. And there, there are differences in mouthfeel and that sort of thing. Um, but by and large, uh, because there's not meant to be much flavor, people are just using the cheapest commodity sh- starch or sugar sources that they can get their hands on to, uh, to make their yeah, vodka and so matter. so tito's is made from corn for example from from commodity corn and so you, you're seeing a lot of corn a lot of wheat sometimes potatoes uh, but like i said you can use any sort of base uh you know input for your fermentation and distillation and what we started out doing initially was 
Um, you know, I talked about the strawberry brandy process and the sort of straw the sort of uh, surplus strawberries that have been available to us. Uh, we came into a very large amount of strawberries, and before we even th thought about making a strawberry brandy, we were like, okay, this is sort of an interesting angle from which to to make a vodka. So we our, our first vodka was made That's from strawberries. Okay, hundred uh, percent strawberries. I thought you had a strawberry vodka. Mm -hmm. And and it was really pushing the envelope, uh, just because, uh, well, 100% strawberries, which was unusual, um, distilling it to just over 95% alcohol. And surprisingly, at that strength, uh, you still do get a, quite a bit of character coming through. And that's usually kind of wiped out by the filtration process, no matter what the input is. Our thinking was, we're using this really interesting, unusual input. If we're going to wipe it out with filtration, why use it at all? Uh, and so we left it alone and didn't filter it. And uh, you, you guys think this, the vodka you're tasting now is characterful. This stuff was even more so. And we would get a lot more comments like, wait, you know, waiter, is this, I, I, I think you've, you've mixed up yeah. my order. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 when people were initiated, like they knew what they were getting into and they could be like, oh yeah, I get a, like a little bit of strawberry there. And that's what it is. And it, it was cool and interesting. And it was sort of easier to get our foot in, you know, when we were going around trying to sell this stuff because, there are a million vodkas out there mm -hmm. and you know usually you talk to a buyer and they're like i don't need another vodka but when they hear one's made from strawberries they're like oh really no way and you know they want to yeah. taste it but it was hard because uh the the a little bit of that strawberry character was there and you know you had to kind of be like okay so it's vodka but it's a little bit different and it's not a strawberry flavored vodka it's actually made <laughs> from strawberries and there's a touch of sweetness in there, but you know that's just from the original fermentation. And uh, don't make a dirty martini, but make a martini with a twist. And you know there was too much context that, that was, was needed. Um, and uh, we wanted to make a vodka that kept a little bit of the unusual nature and and was still flavorful for the category, but wasn't quite as out there and that you could kind of plug into whatever a savory cocktail a sweet cocktail and so that's how we yeah so what are you making this with uh, so so yeah haymakers is made from 50 percent potatoes from the bakersfield arvin area and 50 percent apples from um, oh, interesting up in kuyama kuyama valley orchard which is a big organic uh apple orchard up there um and so we we do filter it a little bit not not a ton um it, it's uh, there's a little bit of earthiness from the potato that's left in there and maybe a touch of sweetness from the apple on the finish depending on who you ask but you know we're doing all this stuff from the original f from the original input and so we'll get a big you know a semi truckload of of apples in and we'll grind them up into basically applesauce and press off the juice and ferment that juice into wine and distill the wine part of the way I to just vodka. Say, is it apple wine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah okay. it's a, exactly we, apple wine. Cool. Uh, that be, that we distill part of the way to to vodka strength, and then we do a similar process uh, with with potatoes um, and distill that part of the way to vodka strength, and then we combine the apple spirit and the potato spirit and distill it all the way up to vodka strength. Um, and and then of course it gets diluted down to go in a bottle as as everything does. Um, but um, you know it goes back a little bit to the sort of ideas we were talking about with the surplus strawberries, and that um, the potato growers up in the Arvin area uh, they grow 
for for uh, French fry makers and potato chip makers and stuff. Yum. And you know, In and Out or whoever needs a certain size potato to make their French fries. And so we get all the little potatoes that you know they can't <laughs> they can't <laughs> use otherwise, and which we're obviously happy to take. Um, and then the apples, uh, they're, they're just apples that can't be sold on a store shelf. You know, they've got some sort of cosmetic damage and, you know, that you'd call them like a, a juicing grade. Ugly fruit, fruit or whatever. What was that Netflix show that was like ugly, ugly, ugly delicious. delicious. Yeah, I think that's what mm. it's called where they're using like all the like ugly foods that get rejected, but are still like completely sound. We say uh, on the back of the strawberry brandy label, we say ugly fruit, beautiful brandy. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, so what are some of the new products that you guys are going to be, is there anything in the works right now that we can be on the lookout for? Yes. Um, let's see. Well, we just came out with this limoncello, which is, it's so good. It's so good. good. It's so good. You guys go get it. (laughs) If you live in Ojai, OBC sells the sample bottle size, so you don't have to commit completely, which is really cool. I love that. Yeah. What size are these? Um, Uh, They're 200 milliliters. 200 milliliters. Yeah. So you can get, you can try all of their stuff without making a huge financial commitment and like just test things and try them out and figure out which ones you like, which I think is so fun. So definitely check that out. Um, what else? Uh, Whiskey is is not around the corner, but we are making it. But it'll be a few years before it's it's ready. Um, uh, we That's just exciting. we just launched a, a very small run of our first attempt at agave spirit. Um, it's emphatically not tequila and not mezcal, as as those things you know have to be produced in you know specific parts of Mexico. But it is like tequila or mezcal made made from are uh, you the agave plant. Like a mezcal, like is that very smoke driven, or are you just yeah? So th- uh, this is something we're really interested in, and we want to do a lot of what what made what has made the, you know these these first attempts unique is that we're actually. There, there hasn't ever been a commercially produced California-grown agave spirit, if, oh, if that makes sense. It does. Um, so people, you know, so U.S. distillers might be doing something with agave, but it's going to be with agave syrup or you know concentrate or, or something like that. Um, and so we're uh, working with a ranch called La Paloma up, up in Goleta, yeah, yeah. Um, and a, actually a few other growers as well, um, and actually growing agaves uh, and harvesting them and roasting them and um, Grinding them up and fermenting them and distilling them, um, and so it's, it was just a really fun. That's exciting. Project. When can we expect that? Uh, well, well you just released in small batches. We, we just said, released. Right? Oh, it's really yeah. Okay. We just released the first batch, and it's sold out. Uh, I mean, it was like a, uh, 180 <laughs> bottles or something like that. Um, and so that went quickly and was just a lot of fun. Um, and it, it was it was an interesting challenge for us just because it's the, the way it behaves uh, and the. Um, the type of yeast required and the temperature and, you know, just the nature of the fermentation is different from, from anything that we've dealt with before. Uh, awesome. And uh, we plan to keep doing it. And so the first batch we made was from agave tequilana, which is the same agave, that blue Weber that's used in, in tequila. Um, but there are other species that might make even more sense to grow in this area. And we've, we've already done a few follow-on distillations uh, with tequilanas, but also with some others. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, we're interested to to get into it. So, um, sorry, Melissa. No, go ahead. <laughs> I off. know. <laughs> She's question master today. Um, so I am curious about, like, your relationship with the community because I think that's something that we keep figuring out with all of our guests is that we're just so lucky to be in a place that appreciates um, local makers and creators and stuff. So when you first made this and you went to bars, like, did you feel like a warm welcome into 
uh, the bar community out here? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, we feel really lucky on multiple levels. I mean, just I mean, now that we have the tasting room open, prior to that, as the producer, we have to sell through a distributor. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we didn't have... Uh, of course, there's some times when you can go to an event and that sort of thing, but we didn't have all that much interaction with the end consumer. And so it's been awesome just to have people oh, in yeah. and uh, to hear about people's relationship to the stuff we make and their ideas about it. Um, so, I mean, that, that's one thing. And then just to have all of these relationships, um, you know, with, with growers and farmers around. And then, yeah, absolutely. Uh, bartenders and bar managers and, and buyers. Being I, excited about your product, yeah. selling it, moving it. D would you say that you're in most bars in Ventura? Like most, not most, that's crazy because there's a million bars. And uh, we're getting there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been sort of a funny evolution for us where um, starting out, I mean, actually earlier on, and this is not particularly intuitive, but the lowest hanging fruit for us was kind of, mixology focused bars and restaurants in LA and San Francisco. And that was just where this, it was easiest yes. uh, b because uh, there were, you know, there are bar managers or there are bartenders there who just s sort of immediately get it. And they're like, Oh, different flavors to play with. And they're selling, you know, expensive cocktails. And so it's just, uh, it's easier to plug in. Oh yeah. They I, want a um, liquor. They can tell a story. Right. About for exactly. Sure. And, and there, there's more, more and more awareness, uh, and sort of engagement on that level in Ventura yeah, too. And so, so, so that, and that's, so that's been changing and I, I'd say it's pretty dynamic. And a, a, another piece of that is just that, you know, we have, uh, you know, our sales director is based in LA and that those are the markets he's kind of in. And, uh, we should be out you know, forming relationships and uh, drinking and selling, you know, in in our area here. But oftentimes we're busy in the yeah, distillery. And course. so we don't, we, in some ways, I, f I, feel, I feel like we've neglected our backyard to some degree. Um, and uh, that's changing as well. Good. And yeah. what my last question is, what is your top seller? That's the uh, wilder. I oh, think we already said that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Good. Yeah, but, but that's true for this local area yeah. as, as well, for okay. sure. Uh, probably more than anywhere else, you know, Ojai, Ventura, uh, Wilder yeah, for sure. is out in front. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up. We're getting close to that time, but just a couple last things. So where can people buy these, um, like retail, like if they wanted to go pick up a bottle, um, and take it home? Yeah. Um, so there is a spot on our website, which I think is up to date ish, uh, where you can, you know, search by your location and, oh, and, cool. and find Perfect. retailers. You should always call uh, just to check that they have it in stock. But you can buy it out of our tasting room. We're open Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoons. And where's your tasting room? Uh, we are on way north on North Ventura Avenue, uh, just north of the Shell Road exit off oh, the 33. Good. Awesome. Um, you can buy it from us. You can buy it from Whole Foods in Oxnard. Uh, you can buy it from Santa Cruz Market. Uh, you can buy it from Village Wine and Spirits. Uh, Wine Castle. I'm sure I'm OBC. Oh, of course, yeah. And then at um. Ojai, OBC, <laughs> Westridge Market, Attitude Adjustment Shop. Oh, love them. Uh, uh, Ojai Liquor. Um, okay. Andy, All and, Andy's Liquor. Wow. No Pats. Uh, Pats Liquor. I was going to say you <laughs> better be in Pats. Yeah. No, man. we're in Pats. If you're not in Pats, 
you can leave. Uh, Florida Michoacan. Oh, hi. We got Ohio covered. You got Ohio. Well, yeah. There's like, yeah. you know, you can e- easily done. <laughs> Just because there's less. <laughs> well, go check them yeah. out. Go see them at the distillery um, off the avenue. Go gu- buy their spirits uh, anywhere in Ohio, apparently. And, <laughs> and, and most places in Ventura and Oxnard. Yeah. Thank you so much, Henry. This we really amazing. appreciate you Thank being you. here. And thanks, guys. Thanks for sharing with us. We appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.